Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. long day already and uh, now I get to speak and I promise you I will try and do my best to be quick I've only got like three or four extra pages than normal so it's going to be good Uh, we'll be out of here by at least four o'clock and no problems whatsoever half of you don't know if I'm joking that's what makes it fun this is great I haven't yet so I promise you I'll do my best Uh, today's message gonna be a little different than than maybe normal and uh just in preparation for this, I have to let you know, usually my messages uh, take a long time for me to develop, and I'm working on them all week long, and by like Saturday night, I'm like finishing them up. This one was done on Friday. Like, done. I was like, uh-oh, something's wrong. <laughs> like, what if, what I miss? Um, so I don't know how this is going to turn out. I actually, I finished so early that I pre-preached this. Like, I preached, I, I stood in here, and I actually preached to an empty room. And uh, it, was, it was weird. It's a little different. So I'm not sure how this is going to go, but uh, we'll do my, I'll do my best today uh, to communicate and to give you something that's worthwhile. Um, it's week two of our message uh, series on the creed, We're looking at the Apostles' Creed and sort of what they believed and what that was about. Last week we examined um, what it means to believe in God the Father. Uh, if you remember, we have magnets for you. If you didn't get a magnet, they should be back on our X-Factor table, uh, which is out in the, in the foyer there. You can grab one of those, put them on your fridge, and we're encouraging you this month just to read through the creed uh, each and every day. Just to think through, what do I really believe? And what, what, what is our statement of faith? And what is this, what's this really all about? Um, so last week, like I said, we talked about God the Father. Today is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. Um, how many of you can say... Yay to uncomfortable conversations. Are we good, Dustin? You got me there? Uncomfortable conversations. Do you have that one? No? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Ah, it's too dark. You can't see it too bad. But that's Michael Scott there. Um, he's the king of uncomfortable conversations. Um, how many want to have an uncomfortable conversation today? How many does that sound like fun? Just Andy. Just Andy. That's good. Um, I'm going to tell you, God is safe. You talk about God no matter where you are. You know, you play golf, you go out in public, you're having a, a conversation at dinner. You know, there's two things you don't talk about, right? Religion and politics. But if you're going to talk about religion, you can at least talk about God. God's like kind of okay because you can say God because it doesn't know which God. And you can just sort of, you can do, there you go, that's brighter, that's much better. Um, so that's kind of the feeling that some of you have right now in your stomach as I'm talking about this. Because um, today we're not going to talk about God. Today we're going to talk about Jesus. And Jesus can be uncomfortable sometimes. Um, the historical Jesus, people are okay with because he's, you know, people think of him as like a, a moral figure, right? Like he was a good person and he did nice things and he was loving and he was kind. And so Jesus is okay to talk about that way. Um, and, and he is. He was a moral person and he was kind and loving and he was all those things. Um, but Jesus narrows our conversation uh, when, when we talk about him, because uh, he made some really like bold, uh, challenging statements that were extremely exclusive. Things like, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Like, mic drop, walk away, line in the sand, you name it. That's a very challenging statement um, and it makes things a little uncomfortable he made these very exclusive claims and now there are a lot of other faiths that are okay with jesus but the moral jesus they view him as either a prophet or one among many or he said some good things and they like parts of his writings but 
And I've got great respect for those traditions in the face of others, but they just don't embrace Jesus as the son of God. And in the exclusivity of what he said, they don't they don't accept that. Um, and listen, I respect people's right to think for themselves, to believe for themselves. Absolutely. But we've got to do business with what Jesus says about himself. And, uh, you know, my goal is that you would see Jesus today, perhaps in a way that you've not seen him before. That's my goal. So today we're going to talk about Jesus in church. Shocking. Jesus in church. Here we go. I told you it's going to be a weird message. Here we go. Ready? First off, I want to invite you to read along with me as we read the creed. And we're going to read through it every Sunday as we're doing this. So here we go. If you'll just read along with me and uh, it'll be good. We'll do it together. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Here we go. And born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And again, as just a qualifier, if you remember, the Catholic Church is small C, not big C. It's not the denomination, the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church in the sense of all true churches anywhere that honor Jesus and worship his name. Would you take a minute and let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Jesus, help us to see you in a gloriously new way today. May we see you, Jesus, with such clarity as if we're almost seeing you for the first time. Lord, I ask you to do that. And if you do that, Lord, it would be a miracle. And Lord, I believe you do miracles. So would you do that today? In your name we pray. Amen. So the creed, I believe in Jesus. We say, I believe in Jesus, right? I believe in God the Father. We talked about that last week. Now we're going to talk about Jesus. I believe in Jesus. He's a historically real individual. He existed in the dimension of time and space. He walked on this dirt. He breathed this air. He lived here. He was a physical being. I believe in Jesus. He had brothers and sisters. He had a job. He had a birthday. When he was a child, he teethed. He sweat. Right? He laughed. He cried. He was just like any one of us. I believe in Jesus. He was just like us. He was human. Except that he claimed to be the Son of God, the long-promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he was able to forgive sins. Anybody claim that? I hope not. If so, we'll recommend a doctor. All right. After teaching in several places... Jesus returned to Nazareth to his hometown. Remember, average guy goes back to his home. He's there and he teaches in their synagogue. And it says everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom from? How's he so smart? And where does he get the power to do miracles? And they scoff. This is just the carpenter's son. Right? I see his van driving around town. Right? And we know Mary. She's in my knitting group. And I know his brothers and sisters. They're on my soccer team. Right? His brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, all his sisters live among us. They're my neighbors. They're three doors down. I see them, right? They drive a Honda. Where did he learn all these things? And it says, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Listen, these are people who saw Jesus, lived with him, and they, were, they watched him do miracles, and they were deeply offended by him. 
They refuse to believe in him. It's no small thing to say, I believe in Jesus. Like we say that like, oh, it's just, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But do you know what you mean when you say, I believe in Jesus? Because it's a very offensive thing to believe in Jesus to a lot of people. It's offensive to those who don't believe. It can be considered ridiculous and foolish. If we say we believe in Jesus, not only are we saying we believe in a God somewhere out there who kind of is like this religious spirit being, you know, energy of the earth kind of a thing, but that we're choosing to build our lives on the belief that the historically real person, Jesus Christ, is actually who he said he was. It's a bold statement. It's not just something small. It's not like, hey, I believe in Jesus. No. Okay. Do you really? Do you know what you're saying when you say you believe in Jesus? Which makes the next statement so critical. It's not just I believe in Jesus, but that he is God's only son. Oh, okay. Ramped it up there. Okay. I believe in the historically real Jesus. I believe in Jesus as God's only son. Most well-known scripture, perhaps you will see it this afternoon at football games all across your TV screens. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? One and only. No others. He's not just a son of God. He is the son of God. Again, many have a hard time with this. It's exclusive. Right? And they've had a hard time with it since he said it. Since the moment the words came out of his mouth, Jesus himself asked those who couldn't believe what he was saying, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. See, nobody else can claim that they are the Son of God. It means there's only one, just Jesus. And not only did Jesus claim that he was the Son of God, which, again, is hard enough you know, to accept, but then God the Father actually doubled down. When Jesus was getting baptized, right, it says the heavens... Right. A light shone down and says a voice from a cloud says, this is my son, my chosen one. God affirmed what Jesus actually said. That's what that's what history records for us. God said, that's my boy. Not only his son, but his only son. Right. There was only one sent to be our redeemer. Only one sent to be our savior. Only one lived a sinless life. Only one died for my sins. There's a lot of people that can die for me. But there's nobody that can forgive my sins because they die for me. It's different. Only Jesus. There's only one like him. He is one of a kind. And most important of all, there's only one son that can reveal the father. If he's the only son, then he's the only one that can reveal the father. Colossians tells us that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The Son shows us what the Father looks like. The only way to know who God really is is by knowing Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. And if we say we believe that Jesus is God's only Son, then our faith is in Him alone. Nothing and no one else deserves my faith. Just one. And we need nothing else because, next statement, Jesus is our Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. The Lord is one who has power and authority. That word Lord, it's a common word, Lord, means someone who has power and authority over a realm. And in front of the word Lord is the word our, which means collective, together. 
corporate. Together we recognize that he is the authority. Right? Acts 10, Luke records that this is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Our Lord, Lord of all. See, Jesus isn't just my personal Lord. He's your Lord too. He's actually the Lord of everybody everywhere whether they know it or not. It means we are all meant to serve him. All are ruled by him. All are under his care. He loves us all. He watches over us all. He protects us all. We have the same authority over us, which makes us all equals, right? So if Jesus is Lord, what does that make the rest of us? Not Lord. Let's make sure we're clear. All right. We are not Lord. You can turn to your neighbor and say, you're not Lord. Okay, there you go. Some of you want to say it louder. Go ahead. Um, You're not Lord. I'm not Lord. Nobody else is Lord. Nothing else is Lord. One Lord. Our Lord, collectively, we share the same Lord. There are smaller Lords. There are landlords. There are office Lords and government Lords and playground Lords and social circle Lords. There are family Lords. But our Lord is the Lord of Lords. King David said of him, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So here's what's so stunning about our powerful Lord, our common authority. Ready? Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He did not come to us fully mature, but entered the world as vulnerable as any of us. Fully experienced human life. As we said, he had runny noses and allergies. This high priest of ours understands, Hebrews tells us, The writer of Hebrews says, the high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. See, your Lord, he gets you. He understands. He's not some God far away who's detached and who has never really walked in your shoes. But your Lord was on this planet, breathing this air, walking this dirt. Experiencing sun and rain, cloudy days. There is nothing in your life that Jesus does not understand. Listen, he is different than us. He is supernatural. He is divine, the literal son of God. He is a miracle. He is a life created outside the bounds of natural limitations, right? Conceived of the Holy Spirit. Anybody else want to claim that? Right? I have no father. My father was the Holy Spirit, right? Like... Jesus was a miracle. He is not like us. But he is just like us. Because he walked where we walked and he understood. You have a Lord who understands how much more personal a God is there anywhere. Other gods are all about trying to attain, to reach them, to understand, you know, to get out, to find them somewhere out there. And this is a God who came to you, who walked there, who got dirty, who understood. And you want to know? How much your God understands you? Next line. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. There you go. He suffered. He experienced injustice, rejection, abandonment, mockery, abuse, public humiliation. He hurt. You have a God who hurt. He suffered. And he suffered this under a man he had power over. 
Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no power over me unless it were given to you from above. You've got nothing on me except that I'm going to let this happen. If you're in a store and see a woman in a wheelchair, you might wonder about her story and walk by. Uh-huh. But what if you overhear in a conversation that she's having that she's a soldier and that she lost the use of her legs in battle? Would that change the way you see her? Perhaps would maybe you stop then and pause and say, thank you for your service and for your sacrifice. Perhaps, right, maybe that would change the way that you see her. And what if you found out that her sacrifice actually saved somebody else's life? Right? She's a hero. Like that, that could probably change the way you see her. But what if you found out that not only that, but the person she saved was actually a relative of yours? So that information, that knowledge, it changes things. When you understand who people are and what they've done, it changes how you see them. That's not just some lady in a store. That's, a, that's the lady who saved your son. It changes things. Knowledge changes things. I'm going to read 1 Peter 2.21. Four words. Christ suffered for you. See, that knowledge changes things. Not just some guy who suffered some time, some battle. Jesus suffered because he believed that your future was more important than his present. He suffered for you because he loves you. Because of what he endured, you have been spared. I'm telling you, that knowledge, it changes things. I believe in Jesus Christ, who suffered for me. Under a man who had no power over him, but he willingly submitted to that That knowledge, it changes things. And he suffered for us so much so that he was crucified, died, and was buried. Not only did Jesus suffer, but he paid the ultimate price. His love for us cost him his life. He was brutally crucified. His heart stopped beating. His eyes stopped seeing. His breathing stopped. Blood and water flowed. The physical Jesus actually died. Actually physically died. And was buried, wrapped in grave clothes, laid in a tomb for three days. He died. He willingly submitted to the power of death. He allowed the enemy to take his life. And in doing so, he fulfilled his mission. See, he knew that he was sent to die. That his purpose was to come and die so that you and I could live. And you know what? I'll tell you, we got some good news today. Our God did not fail. He did not fall short. He did not stop. He did not quit. He did not get scared and run. He did not shrink back. There's not an ounce of cowardice in him. Our Lord is the epitome of courage, of strength, of faith, and of love. There is nothing he will not do for you. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. He does it without hesitation. Listen, if he died for you, let me ask you, what won't he do for you? Your Lord, the Son of God, come to earth, died for you. What won't he do for you? You want to know who your Lord is? That's the Jesus I believe in. It's not just some historical guy who said something, and I hope it's true. This is a man who died for me. He did it without hesitation. No matter what we need, he gives everything for you. If he went to the cross... 
Where won't he go for you? Can I tell you? Guess where else he'll go for you? Keep reading. He descended to hell. Jesus went to hell for you. Literally, figuratively, he went where we belonged. Our sin condemns us to an eternity of separation from God. That's the reality. That's what we deserve. But Jesus, but Jesus accepted our punishment and the penalty of hell. And unlike us, Jesus had the power to overcome death and the enemy. He had a round trip ticket. It was not one way. He went there on business to confront the one who causes death and he defeated him. This is really good. You can get excited about that. If you want to yell, it's all right. He broke the power of death. It no longer has any power over us. These bodies are going to pass away, but we will live forever because of what Jesus accomplished. He walked into hell, the stronghold of the enemy, the fortress of death, and he destroyed the foundation. Matthew records for who is strong enough, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods. Who can do that? Answers it. Only someone. I love these two words. Even stronger. Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. No matter how strong the enemy, Jesus is even stronger. No matter what you're facing, that's the Jesus we believe in. He descended to hell so that we don't have to. And we know he was successful because on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He walked out of hell and back into life. Come on, this is good stuff. It couldn't hold him. We sang the song earlier. It had no power over him. Not even death has the power. Nothing. And in rising from the dead, he fulfilled his promise and did what he said he would do. So now death has no hold on us. We will rise as he has risen. And if Jesus rose from the dead, is there a promise he made that we can't trust? What bigger promise did he make? He said, you, you, you're going to... You're going to kill me, but I'm going to come back. I love this statement from Peter Larson. He said, the incarnation is framed by two impossibilities made possible. The virgin womb and the empty tomb. It says, Jesus entered the world through a door marked no entrance. And he left it through a door marked no exit. Come on. That's our God. There is nothing our Lord Jesus Christ can't do. And when his mission was done, you know what he did? He went home. He went home. Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the father almighty. He made the journey from heaven to earth, to hell, to earth and back home again. Round trip ticket. He came. He loved. He conquered. That's what he does. And then he sat down. He was finished. Heaven is a place of rest. And now he sits in the place of honor, hearing the words, well done, son. Well done, son. At this moment, right now, he is in heaven, fulfilling another promise that he made to us, that I will go prepare a place for you. Because that's our home. He is waiting for us, calling us home. Very clear, this is not home. Everybody say, hallelujah. This is not home. Paul calls us citizens of heaven, right? The writer of Hebrews describes us as people that are people of faith, as people that are too good for this world. We don't belong here. That's the words of my favorite songwriter, John Foreman, Switchfoot. We don't belong here. Death is no tragedy. It is a royal, sacred promotion. 
It is a home going. It's just the beginning. It's the fulfillment of promise. We get to join Jesus on the eternal shores of heaven. The best is yet to come. We will finally see him face to face and receive the fullness of everything God has ever wanted to give to us. And we will find rest there. I'll tell you, heaven awaits. I'm going to call Nikki up because I'm going to try and wrap this up. I'm trying. I told you it was long. It's a good one, though. The only reason we're still here, if heaven is home, why are we even here? The only reason we are still here is this last statement. From there, from heaven, Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. Romans tells us he will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who do good. Seeking after the glory and the honor and the immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and his wrath on those who live for themselves who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. I told you it might be an uncomfortable conversation. The reality is we're all going to answer for the choices we make. It's the reality. It's the truth. I cannot shy away from that truth. We have to declare this. We are here now still to tell people that they're going to have to give account one day for how they live their lives. That's why we're still here. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short. We all need a Lord. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. There are those who have yet to hear this. Who know so little about this Jesus that we have just described. Who don't even know about their need for forgiveness and grace. Listen, our relationship with Jesus results in grace on judgment day. When he comes to judge, which he will do. We all need his grace. And if we have a relationship with God... With Jesus personally, we get that grace. Jesus is not just an important historical figure from the the past. He is all that will matter in the future. The one who has been through it all, done it all, seen it all, he will one day make all wrongs right. He will judge, and when he judges, he judges with fairness, with equity. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes to judge the world, everybody's going to sit there and go, you know what? That's fair. That's good. What he's doing, I cannot disagree with anything he's done. He is good. He is fair. That's, there's nothing inequitable about anything he does in his judgments. Everybody is going to agree with it. And that will be the moment that grace is made crystal clear for those who have accepted his offer of love and forgiveness. That's the Jesus we believe in. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. So what? Let me ask you this. Here's where it comes down. Here's the the question of all questions. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi. and He asked his disciples the end of his time. He says, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. They say you're a good man. They say you're this. They say you're that. And here comes the sterling question that we'll all need to answer. And it's this. And he asked him this, but who do you say I am? That's the question. It's a million dollar question. Who do you say he is? I can't answer that for you. I can tell you who I think he is, who I can tell you the scriptures say is. And I can answer for myself who I think he is. But you've got to answer Do you believe in Jesus Christ? God's only son, only son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered for you under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and was buried, descended to hell for you, and was strong enough to rise again and ascend to heaven, where he's preparing a place for you, and who now commissions you to share the richest of hope with a world starving for it. Who do you say he is? Because who you say he is makes all the difference. We believe Jesus is really who he says he is. Everything changes. It means you know personally the Son of God. It means you personally know God's Son. It means you have a Lord who is over all lords. Who is supreme over every Lord everywhere. It means you have a God who understands you. Who suffers for you. Who gives everything for you. Who fights and wins battles you could never win. And he does it for you. And who is right now at this moment preparing a place for you in paradise. And who fills your life with purpose here, now, and every single day that you have breath. When we discover that Jesus is who he says he is, life is never the same again. So again, I close with the question, who do you say Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.